Smart Council is sponsored by the Masters in Counseling program at Multnomah University in Portland, Oregon. Reese Basimio is a counselor at New Pattern Counseling in Gresham, Oregon, who specializes in gender, sexuality, addiction, and spirituality. Ben Poling is a counselor in Portland, Oregon, who specializes in sexual addiction and identity at a New Day Counseling Center. Welcome to Smart Council, codependent on therapy. What? (laughs) Smart Council provides perspectives and resources to providers and students on spirituality, mental health, addictions, relationships, and trauma. I'm Reese Bissimio. And I'm Ben Poling. And what do we mean by codependent on therapy? What is that? Anyway, so that's what we're going to get into because it came up in a conversation recently and I thought this is super interesting and we have to talk about it. So, um, so a little bit more of the context, um, it's come up in a couple of conversations, this idea of, um, how long should I be in therapy and a little bit specifically when working through like addictions work, addictions and recovery work. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the variations is, well, like how long should I be in counseling? I mean, and they're specifically asking me how long should they be in counseling with me? And I'm like, you know, forever. Not really. Um, <laughs> Pay me forever. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, so many ethical conundrums there. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, I mean, your insurance can pay me forever, but eh, anyway, bad rabbit hole. Um, but but yeah, how long should a client be in therapy with any given therapist? Um, you know, kind of the other variation, how long should I go to like meetings if I'm going to meetings? Um, or, or another variation too, like, cause, cause sometimes, you know, when clients start their recovery process, they'll like jump right into like doing like, you know, like three, four or five more meetings a week. And then kind of the question is, well, like how, how long do you got to keep up that pace? Cause that's like a full-time school load without the credits. So anyway, so, so there's, so there's that logistical question of like, how long should a person be? in active recovery work or in counseling and um and then kind of the, the subthread that I came up with was this idea of like well by staying around in therapy uh, or or becoming a lot am i am i becoming dependent on it and i mean they there's this idea of like becoming codependent on it and maybe that's because it's um uh, there's like a more relationship component involved but altogether it just felt like this really interesting concept and I don't know, as I, as I throw the concept at you, then, um, what, I mean, what are some of your initial gut reactions to this? Yeah. Uh, well, I think, and to address the question of like, how long should somebody be in therapy? Yeah. I, I think essentially it's as, as long as they continue to find it helpful and, and it continues to address issues in their life, I guess, um, you know, there's, there are the ethical concerns of, you know, say you have, you have the dependent client, um, who just keeps coming because that, that's what they think you want them to do or, uh, or whatever. And, and so, you know, essentially you're taking money from somebody that maybe isn't getting a whole lot of benefit from it anymore. Um, and, and that's not great. Um, but then I also have, have people that, you know, aren't necessarily working on something actively, you know, they don't have a treatment goal per se, but like to come to counseling, you know, once a month or something just to have that place to process and sit and and think about how things are going and and get some perspective. Um, And they find that helpful. 
Yeah. No, there there are a ton of nuances there about the specifics of like what you're doing and how often you meet. Because uh, yes, say say if I'm saying yeah, I've been in therapy for you know if I say I've been in therapy for the last ten years, I haven't been in therapy for the last ten years. But like you know, it would be worth clarifying. Uh, does that mean like every week, twice a week, once a month, once every three months? Because uh, because that would that would change things and that would Absolutely. that would change the feel. I definitely so so my my training was in the the line of thought that says you know write a treatment plan based on the diagnosis have the measurable objectives smart goals you know smart up and down and uh, always working toward termination right and this paradigm was challenged a little bit by having a couple clients who come in and they're like I'd really like a long relationship with you because I need somebody who knows me that well or I need like this sort of grounding support or you know, some people who have been like, yeah, I, I, I don't have anyone else who can be a teacher role or mentor role. And, um, and I was like, well, I mean, that, that's a little different than what my training was, but I mean, for the sake of client centered, okay, let's give it a try. And, you know, come, come to find it. I mean, it, you, you can do that. You can get to know someone and sometimes that seems to work. And then other times you kind of get to a point where it's like, okay, like, well, what are we doing? And I'm like, well, I mean, what are we doing? I mean, do you have other people you could use? Anyway. Yeah. And I think, you know, this, this brings up the concept of boundaries for me, um, professional boundaries, you know, as, as a clinician, um, having boundaries with your, with your clients and, you know, and not getting into, um, a, uh, a situation where they're dependent on, on you as, as, you know, as, uh, you know, support or as, as their therapist or something, but, you know, as much as possible, making sure that the relationship is, is based on uh, addressing addressing goals and uh, and working towards those, and um, and then reassessing once you've reached those goals, like what what's mm-hmm. next? Is there you know is there more that we're doing? What you know how is this helpful, etc. I think there's you know unfortunately you know you know there's there's two sides um, you know there, there's the therapist and and there's the client and the client might need the therapist to, you know, to, to be this person for them, you know, and, and sometimes, unfortunately, um, if the therapist isn't very healthy, they might need the client to, to need them mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And there we get into some gray ground there, but I, I'm thinking about hearing you talk about what that, what that type of clinical relationship is where it's, you know, we, I mean, we have our treatment plan, we have our goals, we're assessing, we're checking in, we're retuning, we're refining it. Um, all of that's really good, healthy clinical work, but it does give that relationship a very clinical feel to it. It does. Very technical, which again, not bad. I mean, we're professionals, we provide a professional service. Um, but, but I do feel like, uh, I'm getting a couple of clients these days who are like, I want a human, I, w- I want a relationship. Uh, and you know, I mean, and they're not like saying like a friendship, sex relationship or anything. They're just like, I, I want there to be a human in the room with me who will interact with me as a human. And, and on the one hand, I'm like, Hey, I mean, that's probably what you actually need. But then I'm like, but I mean, you're paying me. It's never going to quite be that because there's always going to be that dynamic going on. So it, it's confusing, mm-hmm. but you had said something about working toward where the client is no longer dependent on you. And I, I want to dig into that a little bit because I've, I've had that same thought in a lot of cases too. But but I think that would be a good point to clarify what we mean by like dependent versus codependent. And 
And I'm specifically thinking of one conversation where the idea of there, there's this concern about becoming codependent on therapy, but, but maybe what do we mean between like codependent versus dependent? What do you see that is the difference? My definition for codependent is essentially, I'm okay if you're okay, or uh, I'm not okay if you're not okay. Um, where, where my, uh, how I'm doing is based on, um, how, you know, how the, the other, the person that I'm codependent with is doing versus dependent. It it can have a couple of nuances, I guess there can, there can be healthy dependency where you, you know, we, we legitimately need other people to be able to accomplish goals, tasks, et cetera, to where we're, you know, we're dependent on other people and there can be unhealthy dependency to where we're, we're just not learning to be able to accomplish things ourselves that, that we could accomplish ourselves. And, and we, we need, um, there's, you know, this sort of clingy need, um, that we have towards other people that, you know, that reaches back to deeper issues most likely. So mm-hmm. I feel like a, a jumbled answer, but it's a little jumbled because I mean, codependency, dependency relationships, they, they are a little bit jumbled. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I hear it, I resonate with those ideas, you know, codependency, it, it has this very, well, I mean, it goes with this idea of enmeshment where like there's not a clear boundary between me and you and my well-being is bound up in your well-being. And my my obsession is I'm making sure you're okay because I, you know, realistically, because I am not able to tolerate you being not okay. And so there's this kind of switched up way. It's actually all about me, but I'm mm-hmm. making it seem like it's all about you. Yeah, I mean, if that were if that were the therapy relationship, that would be severely bad. Um, but, but with... Um, yeah, with this idea of dependency, though, that that is where it gets really interesting for me is thinking, okay, so should a person ever be dependent on their therapist relationship or on the therapist themselves? Um, to what degree? For how long? And there's a part of me that wants to say no, because, and again, in thinking about the business aspect of it and, you know, on one level wanting to, you know, cycle through some people, you know, you want to see them succeed and you want to see them move on. And because that's a success story, that means you're delivering a successful product, essentially. Um, so, so there is that, but there is also this other side where I feel like there is also an aversion to dependence in a lot of cases, in a lot of uh, social conversations, a lot of societal contexts, and and actually, what it, what I'm thinking too is for for men in particular, there's this aversion to ever being dependent on someone, on mm-hmm. dependent on anything, much less an actual person. And, and I feel like that, that sort of complicates things a little bit. So someone says, um, you know, my, my therapist relationship is really important to me almost to the point where I'm dependent on it. You know, long-term I'd have kind of a problem with that. But then on the other hand, I'm like, but that also kind of makes sense that you would be dependent on a person. Cause I, I feel like healthy people depend on other people to a degree. Yes. Yeah. To a degree though. Right. There's, so there's yeah. that stipulation in there of, you know, we can't be completely dependent on other people and, and so there, yeah, there, there is that. Um, and it, I think go, going back a little bit to talking about, you know, how, how much, how much should, uh, a client be dependent or how much should a, a counselor allow a client to be dependent on them? You know, I think, you know, if, if you're talking to somebody, uh, you know, with, uh, who's a preference professional in counseling ethics or something, they would probably say, you know, that should never that should never happen. Um, I think uh, a more nuanced therapist, you know, might say sometimes you need to do that for a time. Um, 
while while they learn to you know to rely on other people while they learn to build other relationships um, that are healthy um, and and have some healthy interde- interdependence mm-hmm. as a long term goal it's the interdependence is a much much more sustainable more balanced approach and and ideally they would have that with people in their real lives also um, yes yeah I think. I mean, even just thinking from, from my perspective, like I, I don't want any clients dependent on me. Like I, I don't want that responsibility. Like I have legitimate dependents <laughs> and they're quite enough for me. So, uh, I don't want to, <laughs> I, I don't want any more. Um, yes. Yeah. But, um, but, but this idea of, well, I mean, if for, for a period of time, a person needs something from me, needs to depend on me. I mean, that kind of makes sense, you know, for a short time. So, so that's kind of exploring, some of the technicalities of like, how should the therapist, how should the counseling relationship progress? And so what, just keeping in mind some of the structures and boundaries that should be there, you know, it should be very much, we are working toward a goal. We're working toward an endpoint, and we're working toward like a healthy differentiation a little bit, how, uh, ideally, you know, healthy parents with healthy kids work toward a healthy differentiation where sure we're, we, know, we know each other but we're not then you don't you don't need me anymore even though we're still in good relationship right so so th- so there's those technicalities but uh kind of kind of embedded in the concern is um this other a little bit more philosophical thing of um how do we feel about being dependent just in general like and here i'm thinking about the social constructs the social paradigms and some of the societal narratives mm-hmm. around you know, kids being dependents versus adults, you know, men right. being dependent versus women and, um, and thinking there's, there's some internalized narratives that might be coming up here. Um, per year observation, mm-hmm. what would you say are some of the, the internal narratives that might go through a person's head around being dependent and saying, yes, this is fine or no, 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 don't do this. Yeah. Uh, well, I think we certainly live in a, culture that is, you know, pushes very much towards independence, um, and not, not needing other people, not depending on other people, um, to what I would say is an unhealthy degree. Um, and, you know, and so that I think that's culture wide men, women, you know, everybody feels that pressure, but I think even more so men tend to feel that pressure because, um, you know, there's this additional, aspect of, you know, you're less, you're less manly if you have to, if you have to depend on other people. Whereas I think, um, maybe there's a little bit more acceptance of, um, of dependence, um, uh, or, you know, our healthy interdependence with, uh, with women than there is for men and in, in our culture. In the traditional roles anyway. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and that, I would concur. I mean, I think I see that the you know the the push for this very hyper individuality. Um, you know, we don't want to need anyone. Uh, we don't want to answer to anyone, uh, and we want to you know create our own create our own worlds and create our own rules and everything. And you know, I mean, everybody should be able to you know have their voice, have their own identity, and you know, I mean, explore life as they need to do. But but. Um, Oftentimes that comes paired with this idea of like, I can't need anybody. I don't want to need anybody. And that can also, I think, end up, you know, functioning like a lot of avoidant attachment. Like I just, I never get close to people. I never let people in. I never learn how to do vulnerability or transparency. 
which could work until it doesn't. You know, at some point you break down, at some point you get tired, at some point you realize, you know, bang, I'm alone. And and the idea of opening up to let someone in and um, and trusting someone with some part of you, you know, it's uh, you know, it's like a risk that's kind of related to dependency. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's scary in the best of times, and then if you don't have any practice with it or any resilience around that, then you end up just staying alone, and that's unfortunate. Right. So, and I think you know uh, that is where I can see like the possibility of of dependence on on therapy coming in, where you find a place where it's acceptable, even uh, approved to share your feelings, share what's going on, share whatever. And that, you know, that person is non-judgmental. They're not going to tell anybody else about it or else they'll lose their license, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, suddenly you have a place where you're able to do this and, and it feels good. Um, you, you know, you experience, um, things that you haven't, you haven't experienced before you haven't experienced for a long time. Um, and, and so then, but then, you know, you don't know how to do that outside of that bubble of, Mm -hmm. of therapy. Yeah. And I feel like one of the major things that is okay in, in a therapy environment is to say, I have need, I am incomplete on my own. And that can be terrifying to face it can be terrifying to face in the therapy room, much less out of it too. So, but, but you're right. Like the, the, the shift should be, I think doing, doing that in doing that in the therapy room, but then learning how to do it out of the therapy room also. Right. Um, I wonder, what do you feel like are some of the particular barriers to person in a recovery process related to this? Well, there's, there's the issue, I mean, of one tending towards isolation, you know, um, addicts, uh, just tend tend to tend to to be isolated, um, not connected with other people, not in um, deep ways, at least. Um, and and then there's also the lack of, I guess, emotional intelligence that that often comes with uh, addiction, That's particularly for men. But I think I think in general, you know, addiction is often used as as a way of numbing dealing with emotions so as a result you don't you don't get the experience of knowing how you're feeling and knowing how to manage the feelings and and so and and part of managing feelings often is talking about them with with other people um and so i think you know that there's just a, a, for, for people in recovery, for addicts, you know, there's, there's a real lack of knowledge, experience, uh, skill in, in, uh, relationship for one and in emotions. Yeah. A key, a key component of recovery is being able to, to face your own emotions and to develop a resilience to them. And you do that off most often in the context of a relationship and yeah, if you're not able to embrace your independence or embrace your own vulnerability or face that, then yeah, that just sets you up for, for isolating and for trying to do things just on willpower or just on, just on your own. Um, so, so there is very much a way that, you know, being, being dependent on, on a person or on a community, it's, it's a much more realistic, sustainable model for, for recovery. And the only way you could do that would be to, to recognize, hey, I, I am incomplete on my own, 
and I need this other person or I need this community. And, um, and I think we, we can, we can do that without, without shame, you know, just because you're not complete doesn't mean anything bad. I mean, especially if, if everyone around you is also incomplete and open about that. I mean, we, we need each other. That's just kind of the reality. Um, and trying to act as if we don't, I think is where we get into like all of this, you know, bluster and posturing and all of these coping skills or, you know, we use the drugs to give us this feeling of confidence and like, I, I can handle the world on my own or anything. When the reality is I'm actually running for myself and I'm running from relationships many times. Mm-hmm. So in some summary, uh, say a, say a counseling student is developing their practice and wanting to figure out uh, treatment planning and everything. And then they come this, they come to you with this idea of how long should I work with my clients? Um, how much should I do for them? But I mean, what are, what are some of your summary thoughts then? Mm-hmm. I've always been fairly clear with clients and students that I interact with that my intention is to work myself out of a job with every client that I have. Um, and sometimes that doesn't necessarily happen. Like, for example, the ones that just really enjoy coming, you know, once a month or so just to have that space. And um, it doesn't seem to be a dependence so much as just, you know, something that they enjoy. Um but, you know, I, I think the idea is to, to help your clients to be able to get what they're getting from therapy outside of therapy, um, you know, to, to help them gain, gain the skills in relationship, in emotions, in whatever, to be able to, to, to not have to pay somebody for that relationship anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and to be able to have that out, outside of, uh, of a counseling office. I would agree. I, I'm I'm fine with a long relationship, and sometimes you need to have a long relationship with someone. But uh, I hold this goal. I hold this hope too that eventually they'll they'll be able to get everything they need from the people in their in their lives. You know, they you know maybe they need me for like a specific intensity of symptom or a specific skill set. But you know, once they've got that, then it becomes a lot of just like emotional support, processing, unraveling life, and a lot of that could be done with with good close supportive friends. You know, maybe you don't have the friends, so we talk about how do you get those friends. But, but eventually, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I would like to work myself out of a job, or at least with individuals. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I want my job, but yeah, for for them to no longer need me would be a really great thing, right? So, I think that's the goal. Okay, sounds good. Well, that being the case, we've solved the problem of codependency. <laughs> Not entirely. We'll be back to talk about that, I'm sure. Uh, in the meantime, so we've thrown out some different ideas around therapy and treatment planning and the whole premise of what counseling is. And uh, I think we even talked about dirty money in there somewhere, too. <laughs> so um, if you agree with us or disagree with us, uh, we'd love to hear about it either way. Um, please do leave us a comment or a five-star rating and or drop us an email and we would love to hear your thoughts and let's keep the conversation going we love your feedback and value the conversation please drop us a note at smartcouncilpodcast at gmail.com please also feel free to rate and review us on itunes soundcloud spotify and anywhere your podcasts are hosted smart council has been edited by breakfast puppies our logo is by thomas moore the music was by nate bosford thank you for listening and let's keep the conversation going This podcast was edited and produced by breakfastpuppies.com.